Welcome to episode 40 of Running Matters. I'm known as Woofy. My special guests today are Katie Visco and Henley Phillips. Thanks for giving up your time today, guys. Yeah, we are stoked. Yeah, happy. Thank you. So I'm looking forward to sharing your story with our listeners. Before we get into it, I'd like to thank our partners, Renala, Goo Energy, Gaimia Allied Health, Surf Coast Century, and Fractal Running Cups. I'd also like to thank uh, Jimmy Carroll for doing the editing behind the scenes. And so, guys, this is pretty exciting. There's a couple of firsts with this interview. It's the first time I've done an interview that's not in person. So this is our our first phone interview. And also, it's the first time uh, we've interviewed someone en route, so before they've finished their journey. So very exciting times. You're currently running across Australia. You've started on the 13th of July, which was about two weeks ago. You started in Darwin, and you're heading down to Adelaide through uh, the Central and the Simpson Deserts. And instead of the ease of using vehicle support, your husband Henley is supporting you on bicycle, pedalling about 180 kilos of gear on a little trailer, food and water. So you're currently in Catherine. How far have you run in the last two weeks? Yeah, so let's see. It's 221 miles, but I don't know how many kilometres that is. Yeah, I think, Can you do some quick math? I think I did the math. I think it's about 330 or 340 kilometers in the last two weeks. Okay. And okay, so, yeah. And so, uh, well done. Um, so, do you, Thank you. Do, you have a, um, do you have a schedule with how many Ks you want to run each day and do you have a schedule of, of rest days? What's your plan? Yeah, certainly. So, the first week was doing 23 miles. So, I guess that's uh, golly. That's probably like 40K or 38K, 39K a day, something like that. Yeah. And then the second week, so I'm going to slowly build up. And we've done two weeks, and so I'm in the middle of running 25 miles a day. So that's about 41K, I think. Yeah. And the the third week is 28 miles, so I don't know, 47K. But... For the duration of the of most of the trip, we're gonna do fifty or I'm gonna do fifty K a day, which is thirty miles a day, particularly when we get uh, to Top Springs through Lajamanu, Alice Springs and then into Adelaide. So most of the trip is fifty K a day. Wow, that's incredible. Um, and and what about do you have scheduled breaks in that in that run? We actually do. The breaks are pretty calculated and I think Henley's really good at talking about that. Yeah, so we, we have breaks scheduled. Um it kind of works out to about every six days or so and they they've in the first couple of weeks been a little more frequent because we've had some trailer issues that we need to sort out. Um and so we've taken now and Catherine, we've been here now three days. Um, and we originally planned to be here just one day. Um, so ideally, we have yeah rest break about every six days. Um, and then as issues pop up with the trailer, uh, waiting for spare parts, this and that, it's kind of extended itself a little bit more. Um, but leaving here through Dallas Springs, it should average out to about one every six days or so. Okay, cool. That's a that's a lot of running with with very minimal break. Uh, you, you're confident. Yeah. You, you're confident your body's not going to break down. No, <laughs> I'm not confident that my body will not break. I actually expect it to break, and like I'm I'm thinking positively at this point. But I mean, that's a lot of miles or kilometers, and 
something's going to go wrong. And just like we, we kind of think that something's going to go wrong with the bike, but we're confident that we can push through whatever the issue is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how old are you? How old are you now, Katie? How old am I, Henley? Am I thir- uh, 34? 34. You're young. You, you'll, you'll, you'll do it easy. <laughs> yeah, it, I'll tell you, it feels, it definitely feels different than 10 years ago when I ran across the USA. My body feels very different. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, we want to do these kinds of things that, that really take a lot of physical effort while we know we still have capable bodies. And for however long we can. Yeah. I mean, Henley's only 71. He's a strapping young dude. Spring chicken. <laughs> You've uh, so you, you guys have got plenty of miles left in you. Are you are you already considering some other journeys? Ha! Like flying to Bali and laying on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, our our minds go back and forth on this trip between oh, where are we going to go to next, and what is it going to look like? Like, do we want to go cycle again? across the country or do we want to just go somewhere and take a train or do we want to go live somewhere for two years you know we think about all kinds of adventures yeah look i suppose i suppose one thing about the the journey is you've got plenty of time to think but the other thing is i suppose your focus and and energy would be in just finishing this trip first yeah yeah it takes you know i think when we left a lot of people said you know what and I've already asked him the question, like, oh, what do you think you'll do when, when you come back to the U.S. after this? And, you know, we don't really have a firm plan. And they said, oh, you'll have plenty of time to think about it. You'll have it sorted out. And to be honest, like you said, there are just so many little things in a day that that need to happen to keep us going that I find myself really not thinking much about, you know, future plans or what are we going to do when we finish or the next thing. It's really just about getting to the next shade spot, drinking enough water, making the meal, setting up the tent. Um, so maybe those, uh, maybe those miles will come where we can just kind of, uh, daydream about future things. But I think for the moment, it, it takes so much effort and energy to get through a day that yeah. we're probably just pretty focused on that. Yeah, right. So your, your, your journey is, um, works out to be 3,400 kilometers and you're expecting to finish at the end of October, which will be approximately three and a half months. Does it matter if you are you on a tight schedule? Does it matter if you go over? Yeah, great question. We have we're leaving Australia in five months' time from the day we arrived, so we gave ourselves about a month uh, buffer time in case you know things break or whatever. So I would say no, we don't we don't want to do this fast, and we don't need to do it before catching a flight back home. Okay. Yep. That's fair enough. So our listeners can track your journey. Um, you've got a website, katievisco.com, and I'll post that when I post your um, this interview so people can can uh, get on and, and you've got a live tracker so we can we can see your progress. And you've also, yeah. you, you've also got a newsletter so people can subscribe to your newsletter. There's some amazing pictures on there and uh, people can also donate to your, your journey as well. Tell us about that. Sure. 
So the, the donation, we're not raising money for a charity or anything like that, but the donations, this trip has been, I bet, like 95% fundraised by over, like, my gosh, 200 individuals, maybe even more. And so that kind of generosity blows us away, and anything, just small little amounts, really, have amounted to us being able to do this. And anything helps and what we're talking about is like oh 20 bucks might be able to get us through a day worth of food so it's really just supporting big dreams and this is a big dream i've had for a really long time to actually do this so that's what the money goes towards terrific so this yeah. time, this this is not a new thing for you 10 years ago you completed a run across america you went from boston to san diego you were the second youngest and the 13th woman to run the coast to coast, and it took nine months. How old were you at the time when when you did that? Sure. I was 23 years old. Wow, that's that's pretty young for such an an, an, an epic journey. What, what was your motivation at the time? Oh, man, that was a very, very different trip. And, you know, that trip... It wasn't really about the running at all. It wasn't about finding anything about myself. It wasn't about pushing through walls for myself. It was very external uh, motivation, and that motivation was to to essentially inspire young people like myself and maybe even younger and pretty much anyone to think about what they love most in life and take a step towards pursuing that thing whether it be a big goal, a big dream, or even just taking up a new hobby that they've been thinking about for a while. So I talked a lot about passions on that trip, and it was 50% running every day, and the other 50% was speaking in schools or with small groups of families or women or young girls, anything. So communicating with people like, hey, this is about you guys. What do you love in life? What are your dreams? This running thing is just an example of one of my dreams. So it was it was awesome. Like I met thousands, I'm not kidding, thousands of humans and broke bread with people every single night in the homes of families who just like opened their doors to me, made friends I still communicate with to this day. It was an incredible trip, especially as a as a young girl myself. And this trip is like the total opposite, I think. So, yeah. so what, what were your parents thinking when you, when you started planning that trip and, and when, you, when you went on that trip at, at such a young age? Sure. With the kind of perspective that me and my folks have now on that trip, they were, I will say, let's say like three things. They were very proud, and I knew that they were proud because they told me they were proud and they really wanted to be a part of the trip. In fact, my mom and dad each took turns for a few weeks each to like drive the support vehicle. And they, they were just really wanted to be involved and supported me a lot emotionally. Um, at the very beginning, they were freaked out. You know, they, a young, the young daughter going off on her own with, with a friend from college who drove the vehicle for most of the trip just like going off across the country and every day worrying about, are you going to get hit by a car today or that? But all in all, they got really excited as I continued across the country, just hearing stories of people I've met or people 
groups I've talked to, like, they really got excited about every day and loved the stories. And now, I will say, both of my, my parents and Henley's mother, you know, they worry about us every day and, and like, tear up when we talk to them on the phone because there's something about Australia that's dangerous or desolate or, like, the worst thing is going to happen. It's a very different type of thing, and maybe it's the fear of the unknown. We don't know. So right now, I think they're, I think my parents are beginning to understand that we've done a lot of planning and we feel in control of what we can control, but they also worry because it's Australia. Yeah. Where are your folks? And me? Same thing? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say roughly the same thing. I mean, I don't know that it's Australia per se. It's just a place far away that they haven't been to or experienced, and it's, it's hard to understand... Uh, exactly what it is we're doing on some of the more remote tracks that we're going to be going on. And um, it's interesting because when we talk to folks here in Australia and, and tell them our route, which is kind of an out-of-the-way route when you look at a map going from Darwin to Adelaide, it doesn't seem to be a lot of worry on anyone's part. And I think that's partly because we're speaking to Australians who have some understanding of uh, the realities where we are going. And I think for our friends and family back home, it's just it's harder to, to grasp um, Kind of the way we're doing things and the route that we're taking and so it's just an unknown and i think we just tend to be a little more fearful and wary of the things that we're not don't have a good grasp on um but i will say at this point we've had we've had a couple of um like i said a couple of issues that we've had to sort out and we sorted them out well and some mental and emotional uh, ups and downs in the very first week so i think at this point both we feel confident and hopefully our folks are feeling a bit more confident that we can carry on safely and in a way that we get ourselves to the end like we want to. So Henley, you mentioned um, you, you had some hurdles in the first week. Do you want to share share what those were? Yeah, and I think probably Kate will probably have different perspectives and uh, different thoughts on what those hurdles were, but um, I think that one of them, apart from kind of adjusting to the, to the physical um, demands of, of the trip, was um, just trying to figure out how to be comfortable whenever we're not moving. So our strategy had been to um, do miles early in the morning and then wait out kind of the hotter parts of the day. Even though it is winter up here, it, it's still quite warm to be moving. So uh, we thought we'd wait out the hotter parts of the day and then carry on in the evening. Um, and it's just been really hard to find a comfortable way to wait out four hours of the day. Um, especially up here in the Northern Territory, some of the some of the landscape is or actually quite a bit of it is is burned or is burning from bushfires, um, and the canopies on the trees are not really all that full to offer a lot of you know good consistent shade. So it was one thing to be covering the miles throughout the day, but it was another to to feel like whenever we wanted to have a break that we couldn't quite get comfortable, um, you know, kind of still sweating while hanging out in the shade. Um, you basically just have a bunch of ash and burned rocks and sticks to, to lay down on. Um, so I think that was, that was one thing that was quite a challenge adjusting to. Um, and then there've been a, a handful of issues with the trailer. In fact, on the first day we were taking a break and, um, the bike fell over. I leaned it up, up against a tree and the bike fell over. Um, and it cracked a bearing 
um, on the trailer where the trailer attaches to the bike. Um, so we kind of started out the first day with an issue, and that issue eventually got worse. And then we had a another issue on day three. We were we were pedaling down a kind of like our first track and more out of the way road, and the trailer wheel, one of the trailer wheels, just totally came off. And so we spent the rest of the day, Katie pulling the trailer and me pushing the bike alongside her. Um, so we knew there'd be some ups and downs throughout the trip, but having them in a pretty concentrated period of time, like within the first six or seven days, was it was kind of, um, I think it kind of hit us a little more than we thought it would. It was, we are hoping that stuff would be spread out a bit more, but it just kind of hit one right after the other, and we were still settling, settling into the trip, and so to be settling in and also have those other issues was um, that was certainly a, a rough start to the trip. And then I'm sure and Katie has some of her own difficulties that she could speak to. Yeah. Yeah, do you want me to talk about yeah. my stuff? Yeah, so what, what were some of your difficulties? I, uh, I would say I don't know what to blame it on other than my own mind. <laughs> uh, I think what happened is starting kind of like the fifth day, the sixth day, seventh day, and then on the eighth day, I just kind of broke. I started, like, the first the first couple days were just, like, not one part of it I remember being fun. And part, I mean, like, the running miles. I'm just talking about the running miles. Yeah. Like, my, my legs felt like bricks. I don't know why, because they didn't feel like that when I was in my training, and I expected to feel a little bit more light. And all I can say is I think that I think the heat in the sun was getting to me a little bit and it started I think it just kind of snowballed over the days five to eight of just feeling like really heavy and just the miles, none of it was fun. Um and so that got to my brain and I started thinking things, Oh god, I wish my toe would break so I don't have to do this anymore and I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um and and like, oh my god gosh, Alice Springs feels like a daunting place to get to, or the whole trip seems so daunting, and like, this is so silly. Am I really willing to put my body through this just to cross a country that I'm not even a citizen of? Yeah. Like, it just, just, just everything sounded, like, ridiculous. And that was my own mind. And so I kind of, I had this breaking point where I just needed to you know, like, cry it out, and Henley was there to help me through my emotions, but I think the deal is, is that on that day and the day after, I realized that I'm a bit softer at this point than I want to be, and I want to work on my mind, because it's gonna hurt again, like, maybe a lot, a lot, many more times, as we, between here and Adelaide, and I feel like I overcame, like, the first part of the trip to now be quite excited about the miles and I know that I can use my mind to get through the tough physical parts. I know I can and I will. So to have the breaking part was also kind of like a one of those things that is going to be helpful in the long run because like I got through that. I'm going to get through it again. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get harder in my brain, in my mind and I'm excited about who the person the person I'm going to grow into because that's the kind of person I want to become. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the challenge you've set for yourself. I mean, you, you've chosen such a a desolate place to run across the middle of Australia, yeah. which which is so <laughs> isolated, and um, you, you you must have been prepared for it. Which it, I'm sort of surprised that you're going, you know, that that, that you're suffering for it. And um, did you did you feel like you you weren't prepared enough for it, or what what's going through your head? I think what was going through my head is like, wait a minute, okay, I signed up for something I knew would be hard because I wanted to test myself again. I wanted to just like push myself to see if I could again. And that kind of thing spills out into all aspects of life. But this trip in and of itself, I knew it would be hard, but like, how could I possibly train my, I don't know, like it was just a reality check and I don't know how I could have possibly trained my brain to go through the practice of like getting through the physical stuff that was happening here and like like Henley said even the rest breaks weren't rejuvenating and like everything just felt like it was harder than I expected so but that's what I asked for and it might seem crazy to ask for that kind of thing but I think that kind of stuff helps you grow yeah. and uh yeah, I, I, now I just realized I got I got what I asked for. You know, <laughs> you just, like, yeah, now I'm gonna try to celebrate it. Yeah, yeah. So you you copped it all in the first week, and I suppose you could look at it as, oh man, like that's that's an excess of of that of of bad luck that's happened in a, in a short period of time. But I suppose a positive to take away from that is that you, you're not tired. You haven't worn yourself out of of you know months of being on the road you you know what i mean like you still yeah. you've still got the energy to deal with it you, you 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 know you're not too far you're not too remote at that in that first week yeah i, I think it was actually i think it was actually pretty lucky and beneficial that that kind of the mechanical things and the emotional things happened when they did because like you said we weren't we weren't too far out at that point we were able to get things fixed relatively easily um and now leaving Catherine, I mean, Catherine to, to Alice Springs is just going to get more and more remote and out there. And um, I, I feel pretty happy that we've kind of worked through some of the kinks in this first couple of weeks because I feel like we're set up pretty nicely to to head out onto the, the more isolated uh, tracks. And uh, just to have, like, that boost of confidence and kind of a self-esteem builder, I guess. Like, we've dealt with some things. Um, we can deal with whatever's going to come up and, um, yeah, I think, I think it was actually a good way to start the trip in hindsight. And, um, I mean, you can, you can, you can plan and be theoretically prepared as much as you, as much as you can be for a trip like this. And then I think the reality is always going to be just a little different, maybe for better or worse than what you've planned. So I think we're just kind of shaking out the kinks and everything these first couple of weeks. Yeah, so so Henley, people would think that you've got the easy gig. I mean, you just sit down and and ride, and you know, like yeah. Katie Katie's doing all the work. But it's probably not so much the case. I mean, Kate, Katie's just got to get from A to B. Your job's to get her there, and then also make sure everything's catered for. And tell it tell us how what your day looks like. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I've got I've got the bike in the trailer, and on the back of the trailer essentially just serves for uh, we've got the ability to load up a hundred liters of water, 
um, for the long stretches. And then for a couple of real long stretches, there'll be some additional food back there. Um, but my day essentially looks like, you know, we get up obviously at the same time and um, our strategy has changed a little bit now. We don't have our breakfast right away. We just essentially get up and get going. But while Katie is getting herself together and ready and having a, a snack before we head out, I'm breaking down the tent, packing all that away, um, double checking the bike and the trailer to make sure that um, everything is tight and aired up and, and ready to roll for the day. Um, and then, yeah, throughout the day, just her and I talked to, to figure out when we want to take our next break. And I try and be I try and be ahead by five or ten minutes, picking out a shade spot um, so that when she walks up or runs up that I can have the sleep, the uh, our foam pads out to, to rest on, get her some electrolytes, um, get her some food. And um, and then that kind of continues on through the day. And then usually when we make it to camp, it's kind of the same thing. I'll pedal ahead because Katie will end up walking about the last 10 or 15 minutes of the day to cool down. Yeah. And so I'll pedal ahead a bit to find us a camp spot um, and kind of uh, get the tent out, get the cooking stove out, get our food together um, while she kind of cleans herself up and does what she needs to do to start to unwind. Um so yeah, it's definitely lots of lots of bits and pieces. It's you know moving moving the gear, um, the emotional support whenever I can, and um, and there are times where I need I got to keep myself out of the emotional piece because this is this is Katie's uh, dream and trip that she's had for a good long while. And while it is something that I I mean I'm I'm getting to ride my bike across Australia, which I'm really excited about, but. In the end, it's not a you know it's not a bike ride for me. I'm just along as a support person, so I try to keep myself out of some of the some of the decisions um, and let Katie take the lead on that. But just being kind of like a sounding board and asking questions and um, double checking her and double checking us on the decisions that we make. Um, so yeah, it's definitely probably the most all-encompassing uh, trip or role that I've ever played in a trip before, um, and it can be tough because I think. Sometimes I expect myself to be kind of the, the solid, um, always put together emotional side of, of the team. Uh, but, you know, I've got my ups and downs as well. And when we have them together, uh, we just got to recognize that we're each having a moment and, and, you know, be a little bit more patient with each other. Um, yeah. And in terms of, in terms of what my role looks like and talking about supporting everything and, and our ups and downs, I think it's probably good to mention that kind of fortuitously on day eight, eight or nine, we had pretty much our lowest point. Yeah, day eight was kind of our lowest point. Um, and we were we were getting into Pine Creek north of Catherine, and we were going to have a rest day. And I think Katie mentioned it, or, or maybe I mentioned, you know, maybe we need to talk to someone outside of ourselves, outside of our family, who can give us some perspective on all of this. And um, I don't know that we that I mentioned it or Katie mentioned, but Pat Farmer's name came up. Um, I mean, who better uh, to ask someone in the country some advice on how to do something long like this? Um, and that next morning we were having coffee, and none other than Pat Farmer calls us and pretty much redirects and puts our trip on a the right path and gave us some really great um, 
bits of knowledge yeah. to have us carry on in a good way. What? He's an absolute game changer. Yeah. What? 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 What did we? We actually interviewed Pat last week, and and if for the listeners. Do yourself a favour and, and, and listen to, to last week's episode with Pat Farmer. It's amazing. But what did what, what advice did Pat share with you? Sure. So I I, uh, I wanted to talk to Pat and he called because I wanted some emotional support because I did I did think of Pat as the person I wanted to talk to outside of a friend and family circle. And I thought if there's anybody who has any reality crossing Australia. It's him. And we've been in touch with Pat Farmer since 2013. Um, on and off on email, maybe once on the phone. Just that's when I first started planning this trip. And um, he's been a mentor to us on and off in, in that way. And so of anyone to give solid advice, who knows anything at all about what I'm doing, the only person out there is him that I can possibly think of. Um, and he calls me up and he just says, hey, look, it's supposed to be shit. Like he actually <laughs> says this. It's all going to be shit. You're going to feel absolutely miserable. He actually said it's going to be like being in jail. Yeah, right. And... uh like, Count, counting down the days until it's until you don't have to do it anymore. Oh really? Ah! Well, like he was just talking about the running, you know, like the physical endurance type of thing. And he also said, you know, and the same token, it's baptism by fire. Like you're gonna feel all parts of your body just want to like not be your body anymore. It's gonna be painful. The sun's gonna burn you to a crisp, and like all the stuff you don't like. It's going to put you through this passage of real character building. And he said, you know what? You've got to promise me that you're going to make it to Adelaide. And that wasn't necessarily something I was considering not doing. But for someone like him to really put that out there to me, like, you got to promise me you're going to keep going because you absolutely can. Of course. Like, all I, all I can say is that for like 40 minutes of talking to Pat Farmer, he just laid down so many truths and uh, realities about what I can expect. And he, he actually normalized the trip for me. Like, it's going to suck a lot of the time when you're on your two feet. And so that made me feel normal. That made me feel like, okay, yeah, I can feel crappy and not feel bad about myself. I can have mental low moments and not feel bad about myself. It's just gonna, it's just gonna be hard. And so for him to say that made me optimistic and excited about going through it again. It's like, yeah. So that's that's a, that's amazing because you you it's gonna suck and you're gonna feel like crap or feel like you're in jail for what yeah. two two and a half months. And and, and are, are you still motivated? Am I? Yeah. Am I? Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. I'm more motivated than than before, like, than, than the first 12 days of this trip. I'll tell you, in all honesty, I really am. Hey, one other thing he actually suggested strongly is that, hey, look, you've got to be done running by 1 or 2 p.m. 
And before, I don't know if we said this, but we were starting running when the sun came up at 7.15. Yeah. And so now we start running at 4.45 in the morning, and that's made all the difference in the world for me physically. And together as a couple, our day looks a lot better. So you're not, um, I started to think that maybe you're splitting your day in two and you're doing some morning running and afternoon running. Is it just the morning? It's mostly, it's 20 miles, about about 20 miles by noon, by, uh, by 11 a.m. Yeah. So, and then the last, uh, I guess it's been four or five miles are the, is the last like hour and a half of the day between like four and five-ish. 3.30 and 5, where I move really slow on purpose. Yeah. So it's mostly mostly before 11 a.m. Okay, that makes sense. So, look, you've, you've chosen to avoid the Stewart Highway in, in favour of dirt roads, and, and this approach keeps you away from potential dangers like semi-trailers, but it introduces the logistical difficulties of a uh, few resupply options and, and hundred, I guess hundreds of kilometres without phone service. Um, this this route definitely makes your trip more difficult. What's the longest you'll travel without any fresh supplies? Um, so in, this, in the first half of the trip, we'll travel uh, 363 miles, so a little over 500k. Uh, without any food resupply. Uh, 14 days. So that'll take us 14 days, two of those being rest days. Um, so yeah, so that'll be 14 days of no food resupply. Yeah, wow. And then, it, it's that, you know, everyone everyone thinks about Australia, and the first thing they ask is, oh man, what are you going to do for water? And actually, in some of these stretches, the bigger issue is, what are we going to do for food? Because yep. um, there aren't any nice convenience stores that you can pop in and top off your supplies. Whereas there, you know, there are a, a few boars here and there, and um, when we get onto the Tanami Road, um, there's a, there are mines out there that we've gold mines that we've contacted, and they're going to let us stop in and top off our water. Yeah. Um, but yeah, leaving leaving the community of Lajimani and heading towards the Tanami Road, we'll have a, a 14 day stretch without uh, without food resupply. Yeah. So wow. on the back of it, yeah, so on the back of Henley's trailer, in order for us to do that and carry that water and the food, we have four jerry cans, like four big blue jerry cans strapped on the back of his trailer that can hold eight days' worth of water. And um, on top of that, we have a small stuff sack of food, and then the front two panniers of Henley's bike are stuffed with food as well. Wow, that's um, and and just so the listeners can picture what the trailer looks like, it's it's not a big trailer. Like it's it's six foot long and it's got two bike tires on either side, uh, and yeah. and like you're saying, you've just got it stacked with jerry cans uh-huh. with water and supplies. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah, and it's it's more like three feet long. Yeah, it's quite it's it's uh, I think it's like a couple feet wide by three feet uh, long. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's quite small and um, it it definitely has a drag effect when you have it loaded up with all that water. <laughs> yeah. um, but it essentially, if you want to picture it, it essentially for those who you know travel by bike and are familiar with different bike setups, it's essentially a, a traditional touring setup with four panniers front and back, um, 
and then kind of the bike packing setup with the frame bag, stuff on the handlebars, stuff on the seat, and then a trailer thrown on top of all that. So it's kind of every, every little setup you can think of on how to travel by bike, it's on there. So how's your bum? You, you, you're you doing a lot of riding. Yeah. Um, how's you know, your bum? Yeah. How's your butt? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think it's all right. We, we cycle a lot back home just to get around, so... Um, I think I think that's been all right. It's I think a lot of it is just um, for me physically getting used to kind of traveling at a slower pace and kind of the pretty constant stopping and starting uh, to you know wait for Katie or to catch up to Katie on a on an uphill or whatever it might be. Um, it just gets to be a little tedious, and then trying to get the bike and the trailer going again, um, you kind of lose your momentum each time you start. So I'm kind of always in the low gear, but. So far, I think so far my my body hasn't had as tough a time maybe as Katie's starting out, but here in a couple of weeks it's gonna it's gonna have an effort for sure to get through some of that that fourteen day stretch. Absolutely, and and so if we if we go back to some of that isolation and and some risks, are, are there other what other concerns are, are you prepared for and and expecting to come across to keep yourself safe? One our biggest other is the is the sun, and even if temperatures are a little cooler in the middle, it's still the sun. Yeah. And so we had brought a lightweight shade tarp with us from the states, but it's just not going to cut it. Um, it's more of like an oven. And so what we did is we got one of these tarps that all the Australians have, like reflective on one side and dark on the other, and we got a couple tent poles. And we just gotta we just gotta carry a little bit extra weight in order to have shade at any any time. So we are we feel prepared to hide out for four hours, even in the heat of the in the in the highest sun. Um, other than that, you know we've heard of some animals, but not a lot of people talk about the animals here. Yeah, you know, no. Not have you seen many snakes, or what's? I guess that would be one of the concerns, maybe. Yeah, we've we've seen only dead snakes so far, mm. um, and we've been. It's it's interesting when you when you ask someone Australian or not, what should we worry about whenever we're heading out on this route, and half the people will tell you watch out for snakes, and the other half will tell you snakes are an issue. It's too cold for them right now, so it's hard. It's hard to know what's. Uh, I guess what's truth and what we should pay more attention to over other things. But um, we, to me, my biggest concern was on and off the last couple of weeks, the, the miles that we were on the Stewart highway. I think that's the most dangerous part of the trip that we'll have um, because the, you know, the road trains here are, they're quite a force and they don't, they don't care to slow down and they don't want to, they don't want to have to be, yeah, slowing down for someone running and backing alongside the road. So sometimes they'll just blow past you without giving you any space. And um, so I think that's our that's our biggest worry in terms of safety, and and pretty much the main reason why we're we've chosen the, the route that we have. And I think so far we've done a good job of calculating our food and water concerns. Um, so at this point, it seems like the trailer. And the bike, or maybe the weak link. Yeah. I'm just not sure what's gonna what's gonna break next, or what's gonna cause an issue. Um, so have, you know, having some kind of issue where we're just not able to cover the miles. Um, like a mechanical issue. Yeah, mechanical issue. Um, that's probably the thing that we 
we talk about and try and strategize for the most that we can. And even though the, the roads are a bit more remote, it seems like this is a season where the gray nomads and the caravanners are out on the tracks and stuff. So we're hoping that should we have a mechanical issue that we can still flag someone down in a day, we might see a, a car or two out on some of these roads. Yeah, cool. Do, do you have a sat phone or an EPIRB? Mm, yeah. We, we, have a, we have a Garmin inReach device, um, and we use that to check in every morning and evening with our family. Um, it has two-way messaging, and then, yeah, in the event of a, of a straight-on emergency, we've got the SOS button on there. Yeah, cool. I, I noticed on your on your tracker, you got a Garmin tracker on your website, yeah. and people can send you messages. Do you want the listeners to send you a message? Yeah, that we... I will say we were talking about some of the the top like five highlights of the trip in general, and so far receiving messages on our on our what is it EPAB our Garmin device has been one of the top highlights of the trip. Just wow, people are rooting for us and they take the time to send us a message. This is awesome. <sighs> so it's been really encouraging. Yeah, anyone send us a message. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that it's uh, free. Yeah, yeah, that's easy. All right, I think I think we could do that. I think our listeners could could definitely get on and send you a little message. That's yeah. easy. So, Katie, you've been writing since you were six, and you hope to publish a book one day. I guess these two adventures will be uh, plenty of content, no doubt. When when are you going to start your book? Sure. And you know, the thing with the book is that well, several years ago, I was like adamant I'm writing a book before I die, and now I've kind of loosened my grasp on that um, because I've been doing chapters and what I mean by that is essentially the newsletter that you can sign up for it on my website but I've been writing chapters that I send out in my newsletter that pretty much chronicle all of my trips Um, I started these chapters through the newsletter um, about three or four years ago when when Henley and I went to Thailand on bikes. So um, if not a book, take it or leave it, that's okay. But the, the newsletter and the chapters are really what what really are fun for me in terms of writing, and I'm consistent with it. So, and, and are you thinking about making a film about your <laughs> journey in Australia? Yeah, totally. Henley can tell you guys about that. <clears throat> yeah, we're doing our best. Um Neither one of us are filmmakers by any stretch of the word, so pretty much, I think trial by fire, which is a, a word that Pat Farmer used um, a few days ago with us, it's a pretty good phrase for just about everything that we're doing, because <laughs> we don't really know anything about filming either, um, but we've brought along camera gear to film as much as we can, and and um, hopefully afterwards we'll get some help from some people who have some video editing knowledge and can help us put it together into yeah. something, so... It's been fun to it's been fun to capture what we can so far and uh, review it and see how we like it and um, it's exciting but it also is another thing to do in a day um, so you know you got to set up a tripod and uh, get a shot and then run or pedal back to pick up the tripod uh, so it can be it can be pretty tedious to try and think about that and, and make it work but mm-hmm. so far I think we've enjoyed it and it's been fun and yeah we've got what we can yeah it's oh. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's just another way for us to contribute to some degree um, to the amount of um, examples of people doing things that they are really passionate about, and um, so hopefully we can put together something that can be 
uh, being an, I don't know, an inspiration or a resource for people yeah. considering their own their own trip for themselves. Absolutely. So, yeah. if um, if people don't get to your website, where else can they follow? What other social sites can they find? Oh, how about the gram? Yeah. So Instagram, Kenley and I are both on there, and I we definitely make more posts on there. Um, that's more frequent than my newsletter. So we're Katie Visco and Henley Phillips on Instagram. So come and check us out. Cool. And so you're posting daily stuff on there? Oh, we wish. Well, actually, no, we're glad we don't post daily. Um, we are posting whatever we have Wi-Fi. So <laughs> we, posted, we posted like five posts in the last three days, and Catherine comes the last time we're going to have Wi-Fi until Alice Springs. Yeah. But here's, here's the deal is that we might have uh, a little service spot, and we might post a few things like in Majamanu. Um, just using service if we can. So, uh, we're posting. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well you've, you've, you've got to work around your logistics. So I'm, yeah. I'm thinking we do, uh, we do a, a catch up and do a, another interview with you guys in Adelaide when you finish. What do you think? Yeah. We're totally game for that. I think it'll be a really fun conversation, like telling you what actually happened. <laughs> Yeah, because it's so early, so we'll have heaps to yeah. talk. We'll have heaps to talk about in three months, I guess. Heaps. Yeah. Um, and so, do you fly out of Adelaide, or are you coming to Sydney by any chance? We are coming to Sydney. We are flying out of Sydney on December third, and so our goal is to come to Sydney at least three days in advance. I think. Okay. Well, we we should yeah. um, we should try and organise to meet face to face to. In, when you're oh, in Sydney, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. actually, yeah, good. that would be great, Matt. Awesome, that would be great. So, anyway, look, we're going to stay in touch. Congratulations to both of you for pursuing your dreams. You're an inspiration to everyone listening, and we should remind the listeners that they can track your progress and, and make donations to your journey on your website on your website, katievisco.com. So, guys. Thanks for giving up your time and, and sharing your adventure with us. Have a great journey. Stay safe. And like I said, we'll stay in contact and uh, and we'll keep our listeners updated with your progress. Sounds like a lot of fun and we appreciate you even wanting to talk to us and sharing our story. So thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, see ya. Okay, bye.